it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what our ears are going to hear today. I thank you that our hearts are in position. And I pray today, Father, that you will do some surgical procedures in places that no one can see but you. Remove the things, Father, that are hindering us that we may not even be aware of. And I thank you for the power of your word, breaking down barriers, destroying strongholds, bringing down, Father, false thoughts and bad beliefs. And I thank you for the indestructible word of God, penetrating our lives and our hearts like we've never seen before. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in our fourth week in a series we're calling Reconnecting. Everybody say Reconnecting. Reconnecting. And the topic of our discussion today, if you're taking notes, is going to be Reconnecting Your Heart. And if I had to subtitle today's message, it would be Reconnecting Your Heart Financially to the Kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to start this morning's lesson with the video that I saw online because I believe it expresses, in my opinion, God's heart towards us as his children. So if you all would, give our media department a hand clap as they get the video ready right now.
and notice it, notice the money. I know that you guys have been, uh, you guys have been busting your butts out here. I mean, look at the, look at the crazy weather out here. I mean, you're risking your life every day. And I know this no, past year, you guys have been really, you know, it's been a struggle for dealing with everything that's been going on. So, you know, I would feel really good if you were to just keep that money, man. I don't think I can do that, sir. This is this is a lot of money. This is I, it's, this is weeks worth of money for me. Uh, this is and I know, like I know. Here's the thing, though. I think I think you really should take a man. You know, sir, here's I've the been thing. very blessed in my life, and, and I always try and pay it forward. But <laughs> I want to give you this extra, man, for being so honest and so good. Like, you take that, put that with that. Thousand dollars, they'll help you out. Either whatever you need. Sir, thank you. I can't thank you enough. This is this is gonna change my life. This is weeks and months of rent. Oh man. <laughs> Can I give you a hug? Is that okay? Yeah, man. Sir, yeah. thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Come on now. You know, I believe that's God's heart towards us. I believe every time you and I receive increase, God is saying. I want to see what they're going to do with it so I can give them some more. Can you say amen to that? And I believe that it's his heart for us to experience more, to have more. And I believe the ultimate purpose is for us to be able to give more. And a lot of times people hear what I don't say. I didn't say that God wants us to have all, experience all, so we can give all. Because you can't give all. But I do believe he blesses us for us to be a blessing. Can you say amen to that? So every scripture you and I read in the Bible, every principle you hear about giving in whatever context, it always is designed and the promise behind it is increase. In other words, when you and I give, whether it's our time, our talent, our resources, giving produces three and four things. It produces more. It produces increase. It produces favor for our life. And so I'm going to give you now one scripture that proves that because that's not the whole purpose of my, my lesson today. And then we're going to move forward. So this is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm reading it out of the Living Bible Translation. It says, give. Everybody say give. Give and you will receive. The, the King James says, give and it shall be given back to you. He says, your gift will return to you in full. This is how. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Watch this. Running over. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like more? Running over and poured into your lap the amount you give determines the amount that you get back does that sound like it's God's desire for us to have more experience more when we give more can I get an amen on that all right so here's the thing uh, today what I want to do is talk about 
you know, why is it that you and I struggle when it comes to giving to God? And, and even though what I'm going to talk about today, you can look at these areas in every area of your life. I'm really specifically talking about financially, but I want you to just go beyond that if you got your heart right in that area. Amen. Because I'm talking about reaching a point in your life that you're able to release whatever God tells you to release. Not just to Him, but period. So here's the question. Why do we struggle when it comes to giving? Especially to God. And and here's why. Because it's because our hearts are cluttered. See, most people think giving starts with how much money they have, how much their check was, how much money they don't have, how many bills they may have. They think that giving starts there when giving actually starts in the heart. Everybody say giving starts with the heart. All right. So here's the thing. Our hearts are cluttered with things, watch this, that push God out of the position of first. It pushes God out of that priority position. It it pushes God out of that position of influence and that position of being number one. Because let me tell you something, God will not share the number one position in your life with nobody. And the, the, the age that we live in, social media, if you let it influence you, will, will cause you to not believe in God at all. Amen. And here's the thing. God rejected Cain's offering in Genesis chapter 4 because Cain decided he was not going to put God first. So I'm going to read the New Living Translation of Genesis 4 because what I want to do this morning is talk about an area of giving that you've never probably thought about before, and that is giving from the heart. Genesis chapter 4, it says, when it was was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel also brought his gift, and it was the best of his what? Firstborn. Now the new, the King James says he bought, he brought the firstlings and some fat. That's equivalent to tithe and offering. So he goes on to say here that he brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. In other words, I wanted you to see that God refuses to be second. He wants to be uno uno. Did you know the Uno game started before we made it down here? God had Uno up there. Because he's going to be number one. And here's the thing. It is really our advantage if we keep him in that number one spot. And here's the thing. Our hearts get cluttered in this position of where we push God out of being first. And we're not sure how it happened. We're not sure what happened. And we're not sure how we got in that place. So instead of talking about a lesson on what giving does for your life. And how it can be a blessing to you. I'm going to talk about the area that affects our giving the most. And that's our hearts. So let me explain up front. I'm starting with the heart. Because giving starts with the heart. Everybody say giving starts with the heart. Now, let's go, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you several verses in the Bible that talk about giving from the heart. Because, see, most of us, we think giving starts with our hand. We think it starts with how much money we make. We think it starts with the bills we have or don't have. We think it starts with, no, giving starts 
from the heart first. And so my whole purpose in reading all of these different verses is to prove to you that giving comes from the heart. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm going to show you now that our hearts also are influenced with other stuff. And this is what pushes God out of that first position. So Exodus 35, they're going to put them on the, ver- on the screen for you. Exodus 35, here's the first verse that I want you to see that giving starts with the heart. Everybody say giving starts with the heart. It says, and Moses spoke to all the children or the congregation of the children of Israel. He said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. He says, take from among you an offering for who? Who does it say the offering is for? Are y'all there? Is your mask muting you? What does it say? An offering unto who? Unto who? The Lord. Okay, that's better. Okay, help me. And y'all want to feel you. The offering was for who? The Lord. It ain't for the church. It's not for the pastor. It's for the Lord. And then watch this. Here's the part that I want you to focus on. It says, whosoever, who is that? That's anybody, right? Whosoever is of a willing heart. A what kind of heart, church? A willing heart. So wait a minute now. What kind of heart do I need to have? He says, a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Then he talks about what kind, gold, silver, whatever. Then drop down to Exodus 35, 21. It says that they came, everyone whose what class, whose heart did what? Stir him up and every one of whom spirit made him what? what? Do you all see that your heart is connected to how you give and where you give from? Then it says in verse 22, let's drop down to verse 22. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willingly or willing what? Hearted. And they brought bracelets and earrings and rings. Now let's go to Exodus 35, 29. My, my point is this. You and I start giving from the heart before we start giving from our hand. The children of Israel, I'm in Exodus 35, 29. The children of Israel, they brought a willing offering unto the Lord. What kind of offering? A willing offering. Every man and woman whose what? Heart made them what? willing to bring all for the manner of work. Exodus 25 verse 2 says, Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering of every man that gives it how? Willingly with what? With his what? Come on church, with his what? Come on online. I know you're watching me. How? He said give it in how? With his heart. Wow. Well, let's look in First Chronicles 29. Look in verse 3. It says, Moreover, this was David. They were actually having a giving day, kind of like what we do annually. And in this situation, David was the lead giver. So it says in verse 3, moreover, this is David talking. He says, because I have set my affection to the house of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Where do your affections come from? Your heart. He says, I have set my affection toward the house of God. I have of my own proper good. He said, listen, I have gold, I have silver, and I have given it to the house of my God. Notice where he gave it to. He gave it to the house of God. Over and above all that I have already prepared. Watch verse now, 9. He says, then the people rejoiced, for they offered how? Willingly, because with the what kind of heart? 
a perfect heart they offered willingly unto the Lord. Now, I'm going to read one in the New Testament, and then we're about to get on this boat, and we're going to start roaring, roaring, roaring the boat. Y'all ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, watch this, verse 6. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap how? Sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall reap how? Bountifully. He says, let every man according as he purposes, where church? In his what? Where do you purpose at? He says, you purpose in your heart, so let him what? Give. So where does my giving start? Wow. So as you can see, our hearts is where giving starts. So now, you don't have a tithing problem. You don't have an offering problem. You don't have a giving to your husband or wife problem. You don't have a giving to your job problem. You have a heart problem. And so many times we get, you know, distracted with a symptom. You know, it's like, you know how if your nose starts, you know, running and you start coughing and it's like, oh, you know. And so we get distracted. So we take some NyQuil and all that. Well, bottom line, you might have the flu. So sometimes you got to go into the doctor and let them evaluate you to determine what's really wrong. Because you can be treating the symptoms and really be sick beyond that, right? Well, a lot of times we're looking at the reasons we don't give. Because I'm talking to some people in here and I'm talking to some people online. And, and you think you have a tithing problem when really you have a heart problem. Thank you for that one amen that I didn't hear. But I appreciate that. So, let's talk about some things that impact our heart. Because, see, listen, if giving takes place in the heart, there's some other things that get in there that distort our ability to give. So, here's the first one. If you're taking notes, fear happens in the heart. See, giving just don't start from the heart. There are other stuff that happens in the heart. One of them is Fear happens in the heart. I'm not going to read a lot of verses. I'm only reading like one reference verse for all of these because we'd be here all day. All right. Luke chapter 21 verse 25 says this. This was Jesus talking. He says, and there shall be signs in the sun and signs in the moon and signs in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. It sounds like we there. With perplexity. Sounds like we there. The sea and the waves roaring. Sounds like we there. Men's hearts. Failing them with what? Fear. Where does fear take place? Takes place in the heart. And this is one of the big ones that the enemy uses against Christians when it comes to giving. I'm going to read 1 Kings 17, 9 because there was this lady who was facing a financial crisis. And the man of God told her, listen, I know you think the way, the way to get out is to keep what you have. He says, no, the way to get out is to give what you got. And so in First, uh, first Kings 17, 9, it says, God told Elijah, he says, go to Zarephath and stay there because I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So he arose, he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. He says, hey, would you bring me some water? Can you bring me some aquafina? Verse 11, and as she was going to go get it, he called her and says, hey, can you bring me a kid's pack, a morsel of bread. And she said, as the Lord your God liveth, I don't have a cake, 
but I have a handful of meal. How much did she have or what? A handful. That don't sound like a lot. And then she says, I have just a little cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may die. Eat it and die. And then watch this now. And he said, what did he say to her? What did he say to her? What did he say to her? What's those two words? Fear not. Why? Because fear is one of the big things that the enemy uses against us when it's time for us to give. He said, fear not. Go and do what you've said, but make me a cake first. That's a, listen, that's just a reference to the tithe. And he says, bring it to me. And then after, make for you and your son. And if you continue to read it, the Bible says that she, Elijah, and her home ate for many days. So the fear of giving happens every Sunday or happens every payday for Christians across America and the world. Here's a second thing that influences our heart is forgiveness and unforgiveness. Matthew 8:35. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if you from your what? Hearts forgive not. Okay, so where do we forgive from? A heart. Where do we don't forgive from? All right. And see, some of us, our hearts are constipated. It needs an enema. Come on. Have you ever had an enema? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Anybody? I guess nobody. I've got a few honest people in the room. I've had enemas before, unfortunately. What's the purpose of an enema? It is to unblock you. And some of us, we are spiritually blocked up. We need an enema. And so in a lot of cases, our hearts are just blocked with forgiveness. And this is why, let me share something with you, church. You forgiving people is not for them. It's for you. Here's the next one. Thank you very much. Here's the third area that, you know, uh, affects our hearts, bitterness, jealousy, envy, contention. The Amplified Version of James chapter 3, verse 14 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and envy and contention, rivalry, self-ambition in where, class? Come on now, where is it? Come on at home, where does it say? In your hearts. Wow, all that stuff can happen in my heart. You better believe it. Envying, contention, rivalry, self-ambition. Here's the next one. Trust and mistrust. It takes place in the heart. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, in the King James says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, the problem we have is the reason we can't trust in the Lord with all of our heart because we've trusted in people with all of our heart. So they damage it, and now we can't trust the person we should with all of our heart because we done let somebody else mess it up because we trusted them with all of our heart when we only should have trusted him with all of our heart. That's good preaching. I don't care what y'all say. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. What do I trust that? Come on, class. What do I trust that? I trust from the heart. So if I trust from the heart, I distrust from the heart too. Here's another area that takes place in our heart. Our desires and our dreams. These are things that take place in our heart. And the reason I'm telling you this is because if giving starts from the heart and all these other things affect our heart, then guess what? If we don't know how to guard our heart from all this other stuff, we'll never reach a point to trust God 
to give from my heart properly. Desires and dreams, Psalm 34, 37, 4. And most people quote this verse wrong. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. That ain't how we read. We'd be like, the Lord said he'll give me the desires of our heart. Well, no, that ain't what the Lord said now. He said, you need to delight in him first. See, oh, listen, I'm talking to some single people right here watching me through the lens and in the house. You ain't got to desire your heart because you ain't delighting in him. You delighting in them. I got a few amens from the married people. <laughs> Here's another thing that takes place in the heart real quick. is understanding. It says in Matthew 13, 15, Jesus says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have been closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their what? Understanding takes place from our heart. So as you can see, a lot of things takes place in our heart. So this is why God has asked us to guard or protect our hearts. Now, Proverbs chapter three, chapter 4, verse 23, out of the King James Version says this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. Now, the New Living Translation says this. Guard your heart. Everybody say guard. Guard your heart. I was at Landon's soccer game yesterday, and, you know, uh, each team has a goalie. And the whole purpose of the goalie is to guard it to make sure the ball doesn't come through. He says, listen, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. And when I see people's lives getting off, it's because somewhere they stop guarding their heart. Watch the Living Bible of Proverbs 4.23. It sounds good. It says this. Above all else. Well, that sounds like everything, right? Above all else, do what? Guard your affections. Why? Because they influence everything else in your life. So here's the dilemma. We've learned to guard our hearts from God and the good things that he wants us to do instead of guarding our hearts from the things that mess our hearts up so that we can obey God. So I'm going to illustrate this for you. Because until you learn how to guard your heart, you'll let all this other stuff in. And I'll talk to you about those other stuff in just a minute. But you'll let this stuff in that never should be in there. So the way we're supposed to guard our heart is this. Uh, let's say here, famine hits the land. We hit a recession and the conversation and the news and your friends and your family say you need to stop don't go to church and give to the you need to keep all the money you can keep come on throw it come on help me out see you got you can't look that's how you got to guard your heart from that stuff you just can't let all right hold on When the thoughts come, listen church, when the thoughts come that contradict the Bible, if you do not, come on, throw them on at me, if you don't do that, 
then this is what you do. Throw it at me. This time you, oh, yeah, you're right. The economy's bad. Oh, we're giving. I don't have enough. I have too many bills. Come on, throw them at me. Uh, thank you. <sighs> See, what happens is we're holding on. See, we didn't guard. So keep going. Come on, throw them at me. See, what happens is if enough of these get in here, if enough, come on, come on, throw them at me. Come on, come on, come on. Forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. We just gonna do it like this here. Stop. So now, this is what our heart looks like. So watch this. It's time to give. It's time for God to influence you. It's time to bring the first from the tithe. You got paid. I can't do it. I got bills. I got this. I got that. I got this. No, you didn't guard your heart. Because here, the enemy puts all that stuff in there. So we won't trust God. And can I say this? Side note. If you, this is so good. If you can't trust God, you will not trust people. Okay, oh my God, here we go. So, when I first started our church, right? Most churches are small because the pastor don't want to trust nobody. I'm just being honest. Pastor, if you're watching me, you can grow your church just by trusting people. But you can't trust people till you trust. Oh, y'all slow about that. You can't trust people till you trust. Oh, we can make a rap out of that. You can't trust people till you trust. You can't trust people till you trust. That's right. I never forget. It's time for the offering. We had our ushers. We was at the school. You know, they would take up, uh, you know, we passed the buckets. So we had people with the buckets and they going down. They marched out in the school. And one of the ushers one day decided they needed a raise. So they decided to take the Lord's money. I don't know. All right, well. I'm part of the counting committee, though. Church is little. So we're counting. And that particular Sunday, for whatever reason, I gave cash for my tithe and offering. So I'm waiting to see my envelope. I don't see my envelope. My envelope's missing. So I ask everybody, you see the past envelope? You see my envelope? No, 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 no. Whoa. My envelope's gone. So then I said, well, let's just, let me recall everybody who was on the front row with me. So I started counting, and everybody on the front row, the offering envelope was missing. Houston, we have a problem. So I, I, I don't think people will steal from the Lord. That's just not a thought I've had. If that's the case, I would take up all the offering myself, right? No, no. Because you can't trust people till you 
boy, y'all slowing off, but y'all slowing down on me. So watch this now. So anyway, we had a lot of envelopes missing. So I decided to go up to the school and sit down with the security department because there's a camera in every place in that school, just like there's a camera in every place at this church. Right? I mean, you have to learn from your mistakes, right? And boy, we caught it on camera because, you know, back then, you know, they used to do two by two. Well, we used to do one long line. Everybody walking behind. Well, this person, they were smart. They just made sure they was the last person. And it's on camera. So I called this person. I said, listen, is there anything you need to tell me? You okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> I said, listen. You took something that belonged to the Lord. Oh, Pastor, I said, oh, listen, listen, before you say something, I said, listen. There's grace on the front end. There's judgment on the back. You pick. I said, so here's the thing. So I pulled it out in black and white. Because it wasn't in color, it was black and white. I said, uh, that's you. I said, so here's the deal. You can just repent and hopefully we can get some of that money back or you can lie and the police beat you home. Which one? Now, let me tell you something. You said, why you tell that story? Why you bust them out? Wait, you don't even know who it was. Watch this though. The devil was trying to clog my heart up with constipation of mistrust. See, because some of y'all, y'all, you need an enema. You need to stick it way in there too. Just all the way. Whoa. I mean, it needs to go in there. He was trying to get me to not trust. I didn't do it. Then years later, a few years later, same thing happens again. It was different though. We're counting. The person goes to take the money to the bank. When they walk out of the door, the Holy Spirit says to me, they're stealing. I said, what? He said, they're stealing. I said, I don't believe that. He says, why don't you reconcile what y'all did? So, added up all the checks and cash envelopes, and they didn't add up to the deposit amount. Huh. Maybe there's a simple mistake. No problem. I called the person. Hey, I think there's a mistake. Come back. Come back. They, they kind of give me an explanation, but it ain't feeling right. So they said, well, when I got to the bank, the, the bank teller corrected it and let, let me know that we was off in our accounting. I said, okay, yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Something in here ain't... The Lord said, call the bank. I called the bank. The bank teller said, oh, Pastor Connor, they came in, but they went in line, but their phone rang, and so they left the line and left. What was the whole point of me telling you that? Number one, that people are still the Lord's money. That's right. That ain't Old Testament stuff. That, 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 that's, that's 2021, right? But here's why I really told you. Because he, want, he, want, he wanted to constipate my heart. And that's what he wants to do to you. So, 
I remember when I first started pastoring, first year. Everybody say first year. Ah, I'm almost done here. First year. I had decided I wasn't going to talk about giving and receiving and prosperity. I wasn't going to talk about, even though I'm good at that now. I know where I'm good at. I, I was like, I ain't talking about that. Uh, because you know what? I was offended. Say offended. I was offended from all what was going on in the body of Christ at that time. But, you know, prophets, come on, you get a $100 prophecy in this line, $500 prophecy. You shouldn't have to pay for no foolish prophecy. Then I said, yeah, that's right. And then I saw it, you know, some of them, uh, you needed healing, give this. I, I, I was so fed up with people abusing and misusing, giving, that I said, I am not going to teach on giving. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, Evan, if you don't teach on giving and you have the right heart, you're just as bad as they are. What? What? I don't know if the Lord be talking to y'all like that. But I'm like, what? He says, Evan, even though they might be doing it for the wrong reason and with the wrong motive, he said, at least my people are still hearing my word and I'm faithful to my word that if they obey it, I'll still bless them. But you ain't doing nothing about it. So you're just as bad as they are. What? So watch this now. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation of Philippians chapter 1. Just to verify what I said. It says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me. For they know I have been appointed to defend the good, the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with self and ambition, not sincerely intending to make my change more painful to me. He says, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Listen, the word is going to work regardless of the person's motive that's preaching it. And leave God to judge them. Can I tell you something about God? God loves his people so much that he'll let the person up here do stupid, be stupid, act stupid, and he still bless the people and judge the person. Numbers chapter 20, I'm almost finished. Oh, this is so good. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, hey, take the rod, Moses, and gather the assembly together. And Aaron, your brother, and I want you to listen, uh, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock in front of these people. And it, the rock, is going to bring forth his water. And you shall bring forth to them water out of the rock. So you shall give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said to these people, you rebels! Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod, he smoked the rock. What? Twice. What did God tell Moses to do? He said, I want you to talk to the rock. I don't want you to hit the rock. Moses is mad. He hits the rock twice. But what happened? Water still came out. You know why? Because God had the needs of his people more in his mind than what Moses did. But you know what? If you keep reading it, it says the Lord said to Moses, you didn't believe me. And you didn't do the right thing before the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I've given them. Listen, listen. Because the devil's trying to constipate some of y'all 
with some past stuff. You want to use your old church as an excuse, your situation as an excuse, your past dilemmas as an excuse. And so the word offense in the New Testament, I'm finishing here. Have you ever been offended? Anybody been offended in here? Anybody? That's all? Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, maybe you'd have won offended people. Anyway, the word offended in the New Testament is the Greek word scandalizo, which is where we get our English word scandal from. And this word scandalizo means to trap, to trip up, and to stumble. It also means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one in whom they ought to trust and obey. In other words, here's my question. What's caused you to stumble in your giving to God? You ever stumble? Been walking like... Why do we look behind us? Most of the time, there ain't nothing there, right? What's causing you to stumble in your giving to God? Is it your mama? Pastor, you talking about my mama? Yeah. Maybe it's your mama and her hurt from her old church. And they didn't do with her money the way she thought they should. So mama got offended. She passed that offense on to you. Maybe it was your last church. I don't know. What, what, what? What caused you to stumble? I want you to think. What? See, okay, I'm, I'm talking to somebody right online. If, if you're here and you're watching me, if you're not tithing, something's stumbling you. What is it? Is it your bills? Is it your needs? Is it the world's way of thinking? What do you possess? And I'm done. What do you possess that God has no right to? What do you possess that God has no right to? Has anybody in here ever wanted? I mean, seriously, not just because I'm saying it. If you say, say, Pastor, man, I've I've always wanted a Gucci watch. Anybody? You say, Pastor, I wanted a Gucci watch. Anybody in here ever wanted a Gucci watch? I, I, I saw your hand. Here you go, brother, right here. You got one now. This ain't Uchi either. This ain't Uchi, this is Gucci, right? It's adjustable too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Uh, No, no. But listen, what do you own that God has no rights to? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your power. That's gone beyond what I said and what they saw. And it entered into their heart. And I pray right now in Jesus' name. Whatever is hindering our hearts from being open to give to you, whatever it is, God, destroy it right now in Jesus' name. And help us to trust you. Not with some of our heart, but with all of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Maybe you're watching me, every head still bowed. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not 100% sure...